In this episode of the OCR Underground Show, I'm going to talk about vitamin D and its importance with immunity and performance. I'm going to get into research on exercise and how it affects your immunity. And then finally, I'm going to talk all about how you can measure your improvements. Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. Hey guys, Mike Diebler here, and as always, thank you for joining me for episode 74 of the OCR Underground Show. If you want to check out the show notes for this episode, head on over to ocrunderground.com slash episode 74. Well, it's been a long time again, and I thought I promised last time I'd get more episodes out, but it's been proven to be more and more difficult to record with the kids at home doing virtual schooling. Uh, I just don't get as much time to uh, not have kids screaming in the background or interfering with their school right now. So I am uh, tucked away and trying to get this while I have a break, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. They hopefully will be going back to school soon, I hope, and I might be able to get more episodes out, I hope. So that is the plan right now. Uh, So sorry again that it's been a little while from from the last episode, Um, but I think we're getting close to where I can get on a regular routine and start to Um, get these episodes out and it's also been uh, proven difficult to get interviews as well so this is going to be another solo episode you're going to just have me on here but I do have a couple interviews lined up so I hope to get some more guests on the show to give you some more valuable insight as well Uh, well the year is uh, well really can't come fast enough the end and uh, we're getting close so it's that time to really move forward start planning for next year um, races will start up again. We don't know when, but it's it's going to happen at some point, and I think we're hopeful that 2021 will be a little bit better. Uh, so now's the time to to really plan and and uh, really why I want to put this ep- all these episodes together is you know preparing preparing for the unknown and and having a plan in place for uh, when we are ready to get back to it. So you should. Honestly, with the training that you're doing now, you should be just a few weeks from race ready if you've been doing the right things. So you may not be at your where you wanna be um, because maybe you can't get to the, to the gym uh, right now, you're stuck at home, in your garage, whatever it might be, you're just not motivated. Um, <clears throat> hopefully you're pushing through all of those different things, but when it comes down to it, if you're at least kind of fi- following some foundational things, you should be um, four to eight weeks out from from where, where you want to be. So hopefully you're you're there. And if not, you still have time, right? That's that's what we're working on right now. It's maybe not to get into race-ready shape, but to be just a few training cycles away. So hopefully this episode will give you some great tips and um, strategies to make that happen if, if you're struggling right now. Uh, but before we get into it, I want to bring up our podcast for supporting the show and let you know a little bit more about them. Uh, first up is FitBar. FitBar is a one-stop shop for grip, obstacle, and strength equipment. I have a bunch of their their training tools to really help with my grip. Uh, The beater bar, I love using that thing, especially if I'm stuck at home in the garage. It's a great way to kind of prepare for some of those hanging monkey bar type obstacles. And then I'd love just using the the grip balls and the different grip attachments for any hanging training or pull-ups or anything like that. So they have some awesome tools, uh, including uh, probably one of the best door attachment pull-up bar I think that's on the market right now. It, especially if you're tall, it just gives you a lot more clearance than 
uh, any of the other door doorway pull-up bars will do. Uh, they have a suspension trainer, racks, rigs, all sorts of really cool items. Uh, check them out at fitbarstrong.com. Don't forget, use code OCR Underground, and you will uh, get 10% off your order. Uh, I also want to talk about Venga CBD. Uh, Venga CBD is, a, a, again, a products I've been using very regularly. Uh, I love the balm. It's something that I'll use on sore muscles all the time to help speed up recovery. Uh, and actually, a side effect of it, uh, which has been kind of nice, I uh, my knees get really just trashed from uh, kneeling and being on the ground at the gym a lot and crawling around and things like that. And um, they get super dry and, and ashy. And uh, I rub some CBD balm on there and they're uh, doing way better. So I uh, just uh, randomly did that and, and it helped. So uh, it's nice on the skin. So same with my hands. I've been you know, using it to rub on sore muscles and then just kind of rub it into my hands. And my hands have been taking a beating with all the you know equipment cleaning and all that stuff I have to do at the studio. Uh, so it's been uh, really saving my hands as well. Uh, so some extra benefits there. Uh, they also have a new product out there, uh, their CBD energy drink, which is a uh, a premium blend of CBD, caffeine, vitamin B, amino acids, uh, and potassium, pretty much giving you everything you need to maintain your endurance efforts. Uh, plus, they have glucosamine in there that's helping that will help with some joint support. So, Venga uh, CBD, great products made specifically with the endurance athlete in mind. Head on over to vengacbd.com/ocrunderground. Uh, to place an order, and if you do, uh, use again OCR Underground, and you can receive 15% off your order. And then lastly, I just wanted to talk about Handmaster Plus. Uh, Handmaster Plus is a great, another simple grip training tool you can use. Um, grip is essential for racing, obviously, but there's so many correlations with uh, racing and longe longevity and mortality, and it's just something that really everybody needs to be focusing on. And the great thing is most people when they're training for a grip, uh, they're squeezing things and holding things and things like that. But we want to train those grip muscles in balance and, and create balance of the, the wrist, the forearm. Uh, so the cool thing with the Handmaster Plus, it's not just the ball to squeeze, but you have the bands around your fingers to stretch out. So you get great balance there with your great grip training muscles. So uh, check out their product at handmasterplus.com. Uh, but let's get into the rest of today's episode. All right, in the Inside Mike's Mind segment today, I want to talk about vitamin D. And with everything going on, you know, this podcast is prim primarily meant for training specifically for race performance, but obviously all the things we do, we want to make sure we're training for optimal health as well with, with our exercise routine and, and our nutrition and really our whole lifestyle. And with COVID-19 and everything going on, one thing I've been making a point to talk about with uh, clients that I work with is really everything that I possibly can. So I'm, I'm reading research studies. I'm doing everything I can to not only help myself and maintain my optimal health, but to work with my clients and make sure everybody's staying safe and, and really that they're affected as little as possible by this whole situation, at least from a health perspective. And the hard part about this is when, when you see people talking about science and research and all these different things, something like this is so new that there's going to be a lot of changes because we just don't know. We don't know long-term effects, ramifications, things like that. We don't, you know, just with the disease itself, we don't know everything that it does. We don't 
know all the way it spread. When you go back to, um, you know, HIV when uh, in the 90s, when, when this was a problem and when early on, they really didn't know how it spread. So um, really taking assumptions and many times they're wrong. And, and so I just want to start with that, that just know when I talk about research specifically with, with COVID, just know it's our best educated guess right now, but things might change. Uh, but with vitamin D, I just think there is overwhelming evidence right now that it's particularly important, right? I don't want to just focus on one thing and say, hey, we need to, you know, throw all of our eggs in this basket and, and it's all vitamin D. Um, but it's if you're not paying attention to it, I think you're missing out on a lot of things. And, and I'm not going to just talk about COVID. I'm going to talk about vitamin D and performance and, and how important it is for that as well. So it's it's kind of one of those uh, amazing um, things in our body that it just does so many different things. And if you're not careful and it the levels get too low, all of these bad things start to happen. And when we see with um, infectious disease and respiratory infections, uh, having vitamin D uh, issues is going to um, really become a challenge. So we want to make sure that we're, we're paying attention to it. So uh, vitamin D, I, among the many things that it does, it helps deals with inflammation in the body. And it really helps manage uh, pro-inflammatory and, and anti-inflammatory things going on in the body. So it, it enhances the functions of our immune cells. So things like T cells, um, making sure that they're doing their job so they can fight viruses when they enter. Um, when when vitamin D is low, our immune cells can't work effectively and they can't uh, um, fight off some of those diseases as easily. So I think you're seeing a lot of the severe cases and deaths that are associated with COVID. Um, many of those patients are uh, deficient in vitamin D. Now, of course, there's other things, right? It, they could be obese, they could be diabetic, they could um, have asthma, they, they could have all these other things that could just uh, play a role as well. And now you're just magnifying the problem more and more and more. But let's just assume if, if everything else is, you know, in uh, healthy, um, just having this deficiency is a problem in itself. So um, what we see and what we're seeing with, with some of these cases is a, uh, an imbalance of inflammation. And we know that COVID is a, basically an inflammatory disease, that inflammation just uh, runs crazy and it creates problems all over the body, specifically with the lungs, but they're seeing that it affects other, other areas as well. So uh, when we have a vitamin D deficiency, we, we see a cytokine storm, they'll call it. And cytokines, they can either be pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory. And what vitamin D essentially does is regulate um, the cytokines. So we know if, if uh, they're more inflammatory, they're more anti-inflammatory. So we can, you know, we'll have inflammation when something goes wrong and then we fix whatever's going on and then we're going to have um, anti and uh, or less inflammation and we, and we have that regulation there so when we have this cytokine storm when basically every there's just wreaking havoc with um, enhanced inflammation this actually in, increases tissue damage uh, it enhances disease progression and it becomes more and more a problem the more deficient that you you are and we can see a lot of benefit from uh, supplementing and, and getting vitamin d in in some of these cases to help fight the disease. So 
uh, it's, it's a problem. And we want to make sure that we are paying attention to these things. So not to just talk about COVID, vitamin D is going, is a, has ergogenic effects where it's going to enhance performance. And the, the interesting thing, it's a lot of times when we look at supplements and ergogenic aids, they kind of help with one specific area, but we see vitamin D, uh, there's a number of studies out there that are looking at all the things that it can improve. Um, so things like uh, sprint time, jump performance, uh, injury prevention or injury reduction, uh, strength, in increasing power. Uh, we see an increase in testosterone with vitamin D. Um, so there's all these different mechanisms. We can even see endurance. We see um, vitamin D levels uh, help improve the ability to transport and deliver oxygen throughout the body. So effectively uh, enhancing things like VO2 max. So we get a great deal of performance benefit. So regardless of where you're at right now, if it's, hey, I just want to stay healthy and, and, and not get sick, um, or I just want every advantage that I can um, in, in performance, vitamin D is going to be incredibly important for you to consider. So where do you get vitamin D? So I think you probably know that sun exposure, th this is the number one place to get it. So depending on where you live and the season, this can be um, a problem, right? So if you're the farther away from the equator, and interesting, we see countries closer to the equator tend to do a little bit better with, with COVID. Um, but the further you get from the equator, the harder it is to get it through sunlight. So summer times are going to be easier. Winter months is going to be much more difficult. Not that this, there is no sun exposure, but in wintertime, it's cold. We're covered up. Um, we don't go outside as much. So we want to make sure we expose as much skin to the sun five to 20 minutes a day. So we want those UVB rays uh, to hit the skin so we can produce our own vitamin D. Now we can get it through food as well. We can get it through both plant and animal based foods. Uh, the problem is it's not in the same form and plant-based vitamin D is going to be much less bioavailable. You're not going to be able to absorb it as easily. So you're going to have to eat a lot more of, of different plant sources. Things like mushrooms are high in uh, vitamin D uh, and other uh, soy products and, and um, fortified foods, which we'll talk about as well. Uh, D3 from that we'll find in animal products is going to be much more bioavailable. All sorts of fishes um, are going to be high in vitamin D, like salmon, uh, pork, eggs. Uh, so we can get a lot of through animal-based products as well. Uh, and like I mentioned, uh, fortified foods. So I know sometimes we hear like fortified, we think processed, and some absolutely are. But if you're not drinking milk or yogurt or um, fortified cereals, things where they uh, fortified basically means they're putting these things into it. Uh, there's a reason they put things like B vitamins and, and D, uh, A in, into certain products because they know a lot of people consume them and they don't consume the products that they should be consuming to get these different vitamins. So they're trying to help the public by uh, fortifying certain foods. So, so you can get it through that way. And then obviously supplements as well. So uh, a variety would be best, um, but definitely I think sun is really the first place you should go. That's the best place we're gonna get for vitamin D. So having worked this into a routine every day, uh, morning, afternoon, whatever you can get out when the sun's out, in five to, to 20 minutes with as much skin exposure as possible. Um, obviously where you are uh, will influence how much skin you're gonna show, uh, but just um, even a little bit, you know, just your arms, your face, uh, that will be enough to stimulate vitamin D. All right, so uh, how much is always the question that I get. How much, when you see some of these supplements, um, 
the, 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 they're usually measured in international units and they're quite high. Really, the, the recommended dosing is uh, for, for most adults is going to be 400 to 800 international units. And you're going to see dosage way higher in the thousands for, for many supplements. And I'll talk about why that might be a problem. Um, but it's hard to really recommend anything because you may not be deficient. And that's really where we have to start. If you have never gotten blood work done or it's been a while, this is something you want to check. Uh, you should see levels probably around 30 to 40 um, uh, nanograms per milliliter. That would be an acceptable level. Below 30 is, is cause for concern. Above 40 uh, is probably fine. It just gets to a point where you probably are, you know, you're not getting any extra benefit by exceeding that. So if you're hitting numbers above 50, um, it's you're you're doing enough you don't need to add anything more and maybe you need to to take away a few things if you're if you are supplementing so uh, that's where you need to start don't just randomly start um, taking supplements you know you can get out in the sun that's going to have a lot of great benefits but uh, be careful with with adding supplements in there um, now with and and like i said all the the benefits from performance and and uh, disease prevention and things like that Vitamin D is going to be most beneficial for those that are deficient. If you're not deficient, you're not going to see as much benefit from it. So just, and that's really how all supplements are, are going to work. So we need to know if you even need to be talking about these different things. Um, but uh, before I finish this segment, the, the last thing I want to talk about is there is a danger with taking too much vitamin D. And that's what I don't know if many people are, are familiar with. So when you get more D in your diet or through the sun, it will actually also improve calcium absorption, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but vitamin D doesn't regulate where the calcium goes. So you're just going to get more and more calcium in your bloodstream, and that can go all over the body. And high levels of calcium in the, uh, the bloodstream can lead to significant problems with like cardiovascular disease. You see, you hear of like cal calcification of arteries and, and become basically becoming roadblocks so the blood can't travel through as easily. So we need something to help with that calcium, and that's where vitamin K, vitamin K2, comes into play. So you'll, you'll find vitamin K in um, greens, you know, spinach, kale, things like that. It's, it's going to be high in um, those types of foods, uh, broccoli, pumpkin, carrot juice, all be good sources of, of vitamin K. But, but the vitamin K is going to be important to take with D because it's going to help regulate where the calcium goes. And we want it to go into your bones for nice, strong bones. And that's what it's going to help do. So uh, if you are going to supplement, be careful how much you take. And it's probably a good idea to either consume foods high in vitamin K or maybe even supplement with vitamin K uh, to make sure that that calcium is, is taken care of. So I know it's a lot of information, um, but I think it's helpful to, to talk about these things. So we're uh, really doing everything possible to one, maximize our health, maximize our immune system, and use all this stuff for, for performance benefits as well. All right, so as I talk about this week's research review, I'm gonna stick on that topic of immunity uh, because what we do, what we eat, exercise, stress, all these different things will influence our body in a number of different ways. And our immune system is one of those things that will be affected either better or worse. And I think we just assume that, hey, you exercise, it boosts your 
immune system, but that might not always be the case. So this study is from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, and it wanted to compare how uh, aerobic training, and it looked at two different methods of aerobic training, continuous uh, moderate intensity training versus high intensity interval training. They wanted to see how that affected the immune function or immune function biomarkers. So basically what they measure to, to kind of look at the immune system status in, in healthy young men. So what they did for this study is they took 16 healthy male individuals younger. So they were 18 to 20 years old. So most likely college students. And they put them on a nine-week training program. So before the training, uh, they measured you know, weight, body fat, um, blood levels. And in particular, they were looking at um, biomarkers of the uh, immune system. And they uh, put them through a nine-week training program, three sessions per week. And they divided them into two groups, either a high-intensity group or a moderate continuous-intensity group. So they were progressive programs, but uh, the, in, the interval group basically did uh, 30 seconds uh, intervals where they would uh, run 30 seconds, recover 30 seconds, repeat. Each week, uh, they were basically running as hard as they could, um, recovering and repeating. And they would do this uh, three times a week. And each every three weeks, they would progress and increase the either duration or the intensity. The continuous group basically matched the time. So they would run at a continuous moderate pace for the same amount of time. They just didn't do intervals. They just kept running the whole time. So um, this was anywhere from 18 minutes to uh, 24 minutes at about 75 uh, to 80% of their max maximal capacity. Uh, so that's, that's what they did throughout the study. And then they took them all or brought them all back and they wanted to measure how that affected their immune system. So the interesting thing, and this is consistent with uh, other studies looking at this topic, uh, the main immune biomarkers that they looked at increased only after nine weeks of moderate continuous training, and they actually decreased in the high intensity intervention. So basically what that's saying is the things that promote your immune system got higher when you, when you did moderate intensity training three days a week, and they decreased significantly when you did high intensity training. So it's basically saying that high intensity workout reduces your immune system. Moderate intensity workouts enhance your immune system. This is after nine weeks of training. So I don't want this to scare you if you do high intensity training that you shouldn't be doing it. It's, it's messing up your immune system, but I do think it it's important to pay attention to these results and they might be consistent to things that you have seen. So think about um, if you've ever trained really hard for a race or something, and then once that race is over, maybe you get sick. Um, we see this a lot with like Olympic athletes who are training super hard and then the Olympics are over and they uh, are more susceptible to, to diseases and getting sick. Uh, this is why this is there when you're training super hard, it's, it's a massive stress on the body. Now, we think of exercise as a good stress, which it is, but when we have too much, too much intensity too often, it's going to continue to break down the body. And it does this in a number of different ways. And based on the results in this study, your immune system is one of those things that are affected. So this doesn't mean you can never do high intensity training. It just means if that's all you do, and, and if 
that's what they did in this study. The one group for nine weeks straight, the only workouts they did were as hard as they could. And that's where I, that's the main point that I want to uh, look at here and, and bring up. If that's what your training program looks like, we probably need to look at that and, and adjust it. If every time you work out, the goal is to train as hard as you can, there's going to be problems. And I've talked about this in the past, and it's, it's not just immune system. There'll be other problems that'll come up as well. But with everything going on, um, maybe we want to pay attention to that. We, we don't want such a dramatic decrease in our immune function, right? Because that's, and, and it's pretty clear all the prior research to this, how much more at risk you are to things like respiratory infection and viruses when, uh, when we're training really hard for too long. So this is why I try and I preach probably too much, but talk about a proper program design and really looking at, you know, that high low, like, hey, for at least every high intensity workout, you're doing a low intensity to follow it up. So it would be interesting to see a follow up study. Well, what if we combine moderate and high intensity? So what if they did two moderate intensities a week uh, and one high intensity? Right? And what does that look like in terms of immune function and, and performance and, and other aspects as well? So uh, that's what I want you to take from this is really look at your training and, and are you pushing yourself as hard as you can every time? Remember that the training is really the, just the stimulus. We, we shouldn't be working out just for the workout. We work out, hopefully, to get the adaptation, to get more efficient, to get stronger, to get more powerful, to get faster, right? We want to adapt to the stimulus in some way. And if all we're doing is training hard, not recovering, not paying attention to these things, then how do we, then the, the training is not working, right? Unless it's the sole purpose of the training is just to get you tired and beat up, then, then that's a great program. But if you're not paying attention to these different things, um, you're not getting the most out of your program. So I, I know it's a hard concept to grasp. That's why I bring it up so often that the magic is in between workouts, not, not during workouts, right? The, we, we stimulate, we recover. Sometimes we, we stimulate with a hard workout. Sometimes we stimulate with a not so hard workout. They both have benefits. So we're just going to mix it up. Um, and later on in this episode, I'm going to talk about measuring your performance and how do we know if we're getting better or not and all the different aspects that we should be paying attention to. So uh, I want you to look at your program and see is every workout, you know, an eight, nine or a 10 out of 10 where, you know, you're just pushing it as hard as you can. You should have some threes and fours and fives in there spread out. So, uh, so grade your workout, grade it on intensity level and then see what, what your average numbers look like. Are they all high? Are they all red line? Or are you getting a good amount of green in there and yellow and red and um, however you want to label it. So uh, hopefully that helps give you some per perspective on, on putting together all of your workouts and not, you know, just destroying your body in the process. All right, to finish up the episode today, I wanted to talk about, uh, really build off a little bit what I talked about last episode, all the things that you should be working on in your program. And kind of like I've, I've been talking about early in this, already in this episode is this idea of why are you working out, right? There's, there's an ultimate purpose behind it. It's some result you're looking for. Um, trying to lose weight, get stronger, bigger muscles, run faster, all of the above, whatever it might be. There, there's some goal. And it's, it's nice when you can work out harder and, and do more things. 
But I think sometimes people lose that focus and they focus more on the workout and not the actual goal of the workout, which is to get better in some other area. So I wanted to talk about some things that I'm doing with, uh, or I'm going to be starting to do with clients right now. Um, so the today is that I'm filming or recording this is October 1st. So we are entering the fourth quarter, right? So last quarter of the year. Um, so we want to finish the year strong. Like we want to finish every quarter strong, but um, just with everything going on, it'd be great to, to just have a great finish to the year. And in terms of training, what we're going to be doing over the next really week, hopefully maybe a couple weeks, depending on how long it takes to get everybody through is do kind of our quarterly evaluations because we want to make sure that everything we're doing is working, right? We don't want to randomly work out, hope for the best that we're getting results. And maybe we do, maybe we don't. We would rather look at how we're training, look at the goals that we're trying to accomplish and see if we got there or not. And if we made progress, then great, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. If we didn't, then we need to reevaluate. I, I would rather have understood that I'm wrong. I, I did something the wrong way and I'm, I'm going to fix that and um, recourse and, and find the best way to, to try again um, versus just to blindly do what I'm doing with no clue if it's it's helping me or not. So I thought it'd be helpful just to share a few of the things that we're going to do. And, and then plus just give you some ideas on other things that you'd be able to do. So um, for uh, at, at my studio, we have a couple areas that we want to focus on and not everybody will do all of these. It all depends on their goals and, and how much they can get through. But this, these are some of the things that we're going to try and get through. And if, if they get through one, great. If they get through all of them, perfect. We're going to do what we can. So uh, the first one, and, and I've never talked about it before, but we do a movement evaluation. We do the functional movement screen. We want to make sure that any movement issues that they have are, are getting better. So what better time to check it right now? Um, I don't always do the full screen. Sometimes I look at what their biggest priority were, were since that's what we were, we were working on. And we're going to check and make sure that they're getting better. And maybe they're not issues anymore. And I don't need to spend all that time working on, you know, hip mobility or ankle mobility or whatever it is. If, if they got better, we can shift our focus somewhere else. So this is where I like to clear everybody first. Um, before we worry too much about performance goals, just make sure they're moving well. Now, I know that might not be possible depending on, you know, if you have a coach or somebody qualified that can do something like that, um, that's, that's a possibility. Um, I'll put a link in uh, the show notes. I do have a kind of a self-assessment you can do online it's uh kind of built off the fms a little bit but it's it's a little bit more of a simple plan just pass fail you can do it you can't do it and it just kind of tells you what if you have any areas or if you areas of concern or, or if you move well and it's something that you don't really have to worry too much about so um that's that's the first aspect that we're going to be looking at in this quarterly evaluation and that's just how well people are moving are we seeing an improvement there um the other aspect you know assuming things move well we're going to look at strength. We want to make sure people are getting stronger. Now you can do this a number of different ways. So you can just one rep max test, right? You can see how much you can deadlift. You can see how much you can squat, how much you can bench press, you know, pull-ups, whatever it might be. And you can just find out you don't have to do your one rep max. You can do three rep max, five rep max, 10 rep max, right? There's, there's different ways to do it. I know sometimes people aren't comfortable doing a one rep max. 
um, because it's a higher risk movement, right? You're going to put a lot of weight on your body and try and lift it and things can go wrong. But if you have a more manageable weight that you can do maybe three to five times, um, you can use formulas to calculate your one rep max from there. So there, there's different options. The, the main advice I would give there is focus on your bigger lifts, right? So like deadlifts and squats and, and bench press. If you're going to be doing a, um, a one rep max, you know, focus on that, those compound movements there. Um, the more m muscles, the more joints involved, the better. You don't have to test every single joint. Um, I would just pick like two or three or just maybe one up or one lower. You can keep it simple like that. Um, what we do at my facility is we're going to be going through, we have different levels of strength. Um, so it just depends on where that person is. So if it's uh, a new, brand new person, no experience with working out, or maybe it's been years since they've worked out before, then it's going to be really, really uh, basic movements. We're going to see if they can do 10 squats to parallel, if they can do um, push-ups on a 45 degree incline, if they can do rows on a 45 degree incline, if they can hold a plank for 30 seconds, right? And for some of you, you might be thinking that's that's no big deal, but that's okay. That That's our level one, right? So we take through all the major movement patterns, you know, a squat, a, a deadlift, a push, a pull, um, a core, and we see, can they pass all of those? So uh, we have some people that we don't even bother because we know that they're they're way past level one, so we might start them on level two. And I'm not going to go through all the exercises, but it's the same idea. We're, we're going to do a squat, a deadlift, a push, a pull, uh, a core, maybe a few variations of each. And we just want to see, can they hit uh, minimum? So um, can they uh, hit a, a certain number, a certain weight, whatever it might be? Um, if they can and they pass all that, then we, we progress them to level three, where now we're just doing... Um, heavier loading, more percentages of body weight and things like that to get them uh, as strong as we can. So the, this doesn't necessarily mean it's the end point once they can pass all of those. We just like to look at it as, let's look at some minimums here and we wanna make sure you clear certain ones. So like our level one is, uh, it doesn't matter who walks in the door of our facility, They our goal is to make sure they can pass level one, right? These are just basic strength levels that we think every person out there should be able to do whether you're a 75 year old just a grandmother who just wants to feel a little bit better and keep up with the grandkids, uh, we want you to be able to do these exercises. Now, if you're in that population, you're probably never gonna hit our level three, all right? And obviously there's the exception, but we're not as concerned about that. So um, we take them to what we think is the safest and the most appropriate level. And um, so that'll come down goal by goal. So the bottom line is having some kind of, of strength measurement there with with whatever you you think would make sense for you and and i've talked about some standards in the past too so i'm not going to go through all of those um i think grip is a good one uh, i don't always do that with everybody but you know just monitoring are you seeing some improvements in your grip you know you're hanging strength you're carrying strength things like that uh, so i think that would fall under strength uh category the, the strength category as well um, I don't always do this, but I, I have in the past, I, I, I guess I've kind of gotten away from it a little bit, but I, I do see some benefit in doing kind of a workout standard. So having a, a set workout and seeing if you improve. Now, this is kind of like a CrossFit style. Um, my, my big worry is that the goal is not, like I talked about, it's not just to get better at the workout, but if you have a workout that kind of represents a lot of the things you want to do, and we're going to look at maybe muscular endurance or something like that, 
um, then I can see it doing something like that. So picking again, big movement patterns. So it might do something like, um, you know, pull-ups and push-ups and squats and a certain number of reps. And we see how many rounds you can get through in, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it might be. So having some type of workout standard, I think is a great way to see how you're progressing. You know, you start and you got through three rounds the first time you did it and then six rounds and then 10 rounds. So we can see you progressing there. Um, this one, I just give the caution because I think some people, they make all of their workouts look like this. Um, and again, we don't wanna train for the test, right? So it's one thing if you just memorize the answers to the test and then take the test, you're gonna nail it. But what, if you really wanna learn, you need to do the components that make up the skills needed for that test, right? So just by training for the test, you're kind of cheating the system there. Uh, so we wanna make sure that we're just naturally getting better and we're getting better at all areas of fitness, not just this test. So hopefully that's not too confusing and, and makes sense. So you, you could use something like a workout standard um, to do something like that. Uh, and then the other ones, the, the, the last kind of category is um, more like conditioning, if you wanna refer to it that, cardiorespiratory training. And uh, there's a lot of different ways. I know in the past I've talked about like a mile and a half run and kind of see your pacing and your time. And then I think that's a great way to do it. Um, but I think there's, there's other ways. So uh, that, that could be beneficial. So one of the big ones we do with clients, we do a seven minute bike test. Um, it's short, it's most people can do it, um, even if you're not a runner. So I, I like the, the seven minute and we use a, a salt bike, but you can, you can do lots of different things. You can run, you can spin bike, you, whatever. You pick your mode of choice, just be consistent every time you do it. So we, we just look at our numbers. So it's basically, you're gonna go as hard as you can for seven minutes. So warm up, when you're ready to go, you go. Uh, the goal is to keep, it's seven minutes of the, the hardest pace you can maintain. So it's not kill yourself in the first 30 seconds and then just hang on till the end. It's, it's progressively getting harder and harder until you, you just can't push anymore and you just hold that for, for seven minutes without stopping. Uh, and then you can just record really uh, as many variables as you want. I, look, I like looking at heart rate because that'll lead kind of into our, our next test. Uh, so you can look at what, what was their average heart rate, what was their uh, max heart rate, so we can keep an eye and see if those things are changing. Uh, we can look, if we're on the bike, we might look at RPMs, their average RPMs that they're, they're maintaining. Um, all these different things that, that we can look out at here. Uh, look at distance, so how far did you get in seven minutes? Next time you do it, if you get a little bit farther, we know we're seeing some improvement there. Um, but I mentioned heart rate, and I, I obviously I'm a big fan of heart rate. I heart rate training, and I talk about it all the time. I think it gives you so much good information. Um, when you're doing these more conditioning tests, the the goal here is actually we're trying to be more efficient. So I, it's easy when we look at strength, right? Last time you squatted 100 pounds, and now you can squat 150 pounds, right? So clear, we we gained 50 pounds on our squat there. Um, Conditioning is a little bit different. You can look at distance, right? So it's, you got, uh, you know, a mile this time and it's a mile and a half next time, right? So you got a little bit further. Uh, that, that, that is a way to look at progression and it's showing that, okay, we're getting better there. But what we also wanna look at is just how efficient your body is getting. What we wanna see is you should be able to produce the same amount of force um, with a less intensity, right? So if, before your, you know, your heart rate was hitting a certain number, you're at 170 beats per minute, um, and you, you know, maintain that for seven minutes, 
or you know as close to that for seven minutes as you could and you you went a mile um, and the next time you still went a mile so let's say you didn't see any improvement in distance but your heart rate was at 165 right so you were actually pushing a little bit less right so you you didn't have to get your heart rate up as high to go the same distance and that's exactly what we want we want the body to be getting efficient and that's really the goal of, of conditioning and I know I've, I've talked a lot already in this episode about kind of high versus low intensity training and I think when we skip out on that low intensity training we really miss out on some of the benefits on efficiency at our heart getting more efficient at pumping blood and the muscles taking in that oxygen and using it I think not that that can't happen at high intensity but I just think we miss out a lot if we're only doing high intensity and not getting some of that low intensity work uh, so here you kind of really say, see it paying off there. So um, that's the most common test I'll do. Um, but I mentioned the heart rate. What I like to do is we check out where their heart rate is at the end. So let's say you got 170 beats per minute. And then once you hit seven minutes, now we stop the test, you recover, and we time for one minute and see how fast you can recover in that minute. And so we can measure, well, how quickly did, you, did your heart rate drop? back down so maybe the first time we did it it recovered uh, 15 beats per minute and then the second time it was 25 beats per minute so that tells me with everything else being equal say everything was the same same distance same effort but your heart rate recovered faster that's a really important sign that you are getting better right you're, you're getting more fit and that's typically how you can look at somebody's fitness levels it's it's how hard they can push and how fast they can recover um, because that means you can go hard again right your, your body is able to handle that amount of stress so for performance that's what we want because you're going to have a whole bunch of stress thrown at you with obstacles and running and hills and things like that and you need to be able to respond to it overcome it and then recover as quickly as you can so you can do it again so uh, this is just something that i don't think many people measure but it is it is helpful so looking at how fast you you recover uh, you can even do that in workouts when you're doing interval training right instead of recovering for a certain amount of time recover for uh, certain beats per minute and um, now you can see let's say I have 20 minutes and I'm going to do um, intervals you know 30 second intervals and I'm going to recover until my heart rate's 135 beats per minute so the more fit I get the more conditioned I get I'm going to be able to recover faster which means I'll be able to get through more rounds so that's a nice way to see your progression in efficiency in, if you're doing kind of the same workout each time which is I'm a big fan of we have 20 minutes 30 minutes we, we set a timer you set the parameters for the intervals and now we're just gonna see how many you can get through you just have to follow the rules right you can't go until you're recovered enough and we'll see how many cycles you can get through so a lot of good benefits with with doing something like that so there are other conditioning tests I just think I, I like that one because it's short uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of time and I, I like the bike because so many people can can do it so those are just some I you you can get assessment crazy and evaluate everything and nitpick all these little things um, but they give you a lot of information so it's it's just important to pay attention to at least something and now once we do these measurements so now I can look at a client and say hey the movement screen got better we're getting stronger but our conditioning's not really improving the way I hoped it would so now I know for the last quarter I'm not going to ignore everything else but now I can focus on what they might need the most help in. So we're gonna add a little bit more conditioning work, maybe into their strength workouts or in between workouts or, or whatever it might be. But at least we have a, a plan 
And then guess what we're gonna do in January, right? We start the next year, we start the first quarter, we're gonna look at these numbers again. And again, we might not look at all of them, we might look at only certain ones that um, are particularly important to that client, but I think taking a week, so it's, I'm basically saying you're gonna take four weeks out of the year to evaluate yourself, evaluate your performance, and see how you're, you're progressing. And I think when you do this, the people that take the time and actually look, here's where I'm not doing well, here's where I'm doing a little bit better, are, are the ones that are gonna see the most progress. And they're gonna know exactly that they're progressing. So I, I can't think of a, a more motivating way to get to your training when you see progression happening, when you, when you can actually say the numbers went from here to here, um, I'm getting better. You know, if you're trying to lose weight and you see the scale go down, you're more likely to stick with it. If you're working super hard and you don't see the scale, and, and the scale's probably not the best way to measure this, but just for my example here, I'm sure you'll understand, um, those that are looking at the scale and put a bunch of workouts in, worked hard on their diet and didn't see a change, they're the ones that are going to um, give up. And if they looked at something else, like maybe body fat got better, and but they didn't look at that number because they were only paying attention to one thing, right? So when we have multiple numbers to look at, we can see what's truly happening, how you're progressing, how you're getting better. So um, hopefully that helps. Uh, you know, if you have any questions on any of these or meet, need more help um, uh, how, uh, how to, on how to implement some of these different testing and evaluations, let me know. You can shoot me an email at mike at OCR underground. Um, but I hope this gives you at least some guidance to finish this year, um, starting this last quarter with an idea of what we need to work on. And then through the next three months, putting the pedal to the metal and, and working on some of those things. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode 73. Like I said, I apologize for the long time between episodes. I am hopefully going to be able to record much more frequently um, in the next few weeks. So bear with me as I, I get the new routine down and hopefully have some, some more good episodes, some more good interviews for you. But sorry you had to deal with just me for this one, um, but I hope you got a lot out of it. Uh, remember, you can check out the show notes at ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 74. Uh, and if you need help with any of the things we talked about, uh, I do have a couple spots open in my coaching program. Again, you can shoot me an email and uh, I can tell you more about all the different programs that I offer to help you out uh, through my virtual platforms. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, FitBarStrong.com. Uh, Fitbar Check out FitBar and all of their awesome grip training and strength products. Venga CBD, that's uh, VengaCBD.com slash OCR Underground uh, for their awesome CBD products geared specifically for the endurance athlete and Handmaster Plus at HandmasterPlus.com. Check out their awesome training tools to improve that grip strength, keep it in balance. Uh, that's all I have for this time. Hopefully we'll see you uh, in the next few weeks with another episode. But until then, keep training smarter.